0: Javen has never even thought much about pots to put things in before, but when a stranger comes to town, suddenly the whole village is crazy for his pots. Is this even anything to do with a dragon caller? Welcome back to the Story Forest, where we create moments of imagination and peace for your family with our exciting original tales. This is our third episode of Javen and the Dragon, coming to you in the middle of the summer holidays. We hope you're having fun. Javen and the Dragon.
1: The dazzling pots. Javen woke with an awareness that Tangera, the dragon, was near. He hadn't felt it before, but then, before, he had always known that she was near. Knowing her name, and indeed that she was a female dragon, was also new. As well as the whole concept of being the only person from generations in the Forgotten Valley, to be a dragon-caller, one who can call dragons. But as he woke, he knew she was near, and he felt a brimming of excitement rise within him once more. He couldn't even guess what the day might bring, but whatever it was would be wilder, stranger, and more exciting than anything he had expected to happen in his whole lifetime. Are you awake, Javen boy? Javen heard Tangera's voice in his head as he had the day before. I want to fly. Come, quickly. Javen jumped out of bed and threw on his clothes, shouting, "I'm coming!" out of the window. He grabbed a piece of toast from the kitchen and grinned at his dad before rushing outside. Tangera stood on the road side of the farm, no doubt to spare the animals her terrifying sight. Though she was enormous, scaly and wild, Javen rushed over to her and threw his arms around her head. Good to see you too, Javen boy. Now, on my back, I long to fly. Javen climbed up the back of her foreleg carefully finished his toast with a bite, then clung with his hands to the ridges that bordered her wing-bones. They started to move, and then they were flying. This was only Javen's second flight, and again he gasped as the world grew smaller below him. The forgotten valley, which had been his whole world all his life, shrunk until he could see every detail though it wasn't easy to concentrate as they swooped, dived and climbed through the sky. Eventually Tangera stopped the acrobatics, and they flew around the tops of the seven mountains that surrounded the valley. Javen saw the mountains from above. He saw the peaks and dips, the snow and the mountain goats, the clearings in the trees, the birds swooping over the forest, he couldn't help but grin. As they circled back towards the farm, he saw the main road that led into the village from the east. On it was a brightly coloured wagon, drawn by a large black horse, and a man sat on it in strange, fanciful clothes. The forgotten village didn't get many visitors, and so, as they came into land, Javen wondered idly what the man was doing there. I don't like it. Tangera was looking at the wagon too, and her voice sounded in Javen's head. He hadn't heard her speak like this before. Unsure. Worried. Be careful, Javen boy. When they landed, Javen had only time for the second piece of toast his father thrust at him before he'd had to run down the path for school but he got there in time and sat down with his friends and managed to drag his mind down from the sky long enough to concentrate a little on his lessons. After school was done, Kale turned to him with a smile. Did you see the coach come into town, dragon-caller? I saw it this morning, Javen said, flushing a little. He didn't want to show off about flying but it felt strange not saying it too. He's a trader," Kale said, her eyes gleaming. He promised us wonders from far away. Shall we go and see? All right, Javen said. He and Kale hadn't spoken a lot before, though they had known each other all their lives. But since tricking a troll together, she seemed to have decided they were friends. It seemed that everyone else had the same idea about going to see the carriage. Not only the others at the school, but most of the village. For as much as there could be a crowd in the small, isolated, forgotten valley, there was one now. Farmers, weavers, bakers, brewers, and everyone else had gathered in the town square, where now the brightly coloured wagon stood in prime position it had somehow unfolded to create many shelves, which were covered in brightly coloured and patterned pots. The man stood in front of them, and he spoke with an exciting-sounding accent, and the villagers listened with full attention. Javan looked at the pots. They were decorated, yes, and perhaps fancier than any produced or used in the village, but beyond that... They were just pots. He looked away from the pots to the man. The man had the fanciest moustache he had ever seen, and was parading up and down the space in the centre of the crowd with a lot of energy. Why, you lucky, lucky people! How astounding that I, Ivan Orandamona, found my way to your strange and forgotten town, for I was heading to the big city, to sell my pots for bags and bags of gold. Oh, yes, the people there will be weeping, for I promised to bring the pots to them. But when I came to the fork in the road, I was strangely impelled to leave the riches and the fame awaiting me in the city and to come straight to you. These pots, oh, each one has a story. It has been my life's work to collect them all. Some contain the tears of princesses. Some were made underground and survived hundreds of years before they ever saw the light of day. Some were made by the seven blind trolls of the western forest who weep continually as they carve and paint. Oh! What could fate be thinking to bring me to you, to hide these incomparable treasures here where none will see, my friends, after this trip I was to retire to a palace that I would have bought from my proceeds. But I followed the call of adventure and some strange sense, and instead I came here. You do not spend a lifetime collecting such treasures without gaining a certain sense of things. These pots belong here. They belong to you. And so... The man paused for the first time to rub his head in what looked like some sort of anguish. I stand before you, and I will offer you a price that would make the city crumble. Oh, the tsars would weep and the ladies would groan to know how little I am willing to give them to you for. For I know these pots should belong to you. I will give them to you for less than it has cost me even to collect them all, to collect even the least of them. For each pot I will take only, only five golden pieces. Even if you try to offer me more, I will not take it, for in good heart I will not take these pots away, when they belong here, with you. Javan felt his heart racing faster along with the man's words, as though they were a river that he was being carried along by. Now he looked at the pots and they seemed to glimmer, to almost sing of untold stories. So Javan had hardly noticed a pot before in his life, he suddenly felt determined and desperate to own one of these. But he wasn't the only one. Barely had Ivan or Andamona finished speaking before the crowd surged together as one, speaking at once, proffering and promising money. No matter, apparently, The five golden pieces was as much as most villagers could hope to save in a year. No matter, the pots usually cost a hundredth of the price and could even be made in the village. Javen pushed forward as everyone else did too. He had never seen a crowd like this in the village. He had never seen the people so determined to elbow their neighbours out of the way. He felt something push into his side, and saw Cale, who had herself been pushed. We never wanted a pot before, she said, sounding confused, though she too stared forward with longing. And I didn't before he spoke. They really are marvellous, aren't they? By now, a few people were walking away, with pots held high and proudly over their heads. Others were running to their homes, to collect coins from under the bed, in the floorboards, behind bricks and stones. Though Javen had not even a silver piece to his name, he still pushed forward, Kale at his side. The number of pots was going down rapidly. By the time they were at the front, there was none left at all. Javen gave Kale a rueful grin, and she shrugged back at him, and they went their separate ways. Javen trudged along the road. You might think that he would be thinking, as you or I would, about Tangera, about being a dragon-caller, about what adventure or challenge he might find next. But he wasn't. Javen just couldn't stop thinking about the pots. About the elegant neck they had, about the strange colours and shapes and patterns, the craftsmanship. Oh, if only he had got one!" When he got home, Dad gave him a strange look, but didn't ask any more questions. He pushed a pail of milk towards him and told him to take it to Granny Cavern. Still in a sort of trance, Javen climbed up the hill, pushed his way through the curtains, and placed the milk on the table. It was a beautiful spring day but he didn't see any of it. Good afternoon, Javen, Granny Cavan said sternly, after he hadn't said anything for a few moments. I think you better come and sit down with me. Come on, dear, and tell me what's been happening in the village. Javen did as he was told. He told her about Ivan, a random and the pots and about the villagers buying them all before he could get to the front. Granny Cavan clapped her hand to her forehead in frustration. Oh, Javen, I should have known it was something like that. Oh, dear. I hope you and Tangera are ready to fly. You'll be needed, I'll warrant. Javen stared at her stupidly. What do you mean? Granny Cavan huffed. This, Ivan, a random owner, is clearly some sort of trickster. No pot is worth five gold pieces, even if they're made out of the princess's own hair and woven by a water spirit. And at some point the villagers will find out, and they'll want your help, Javen. Javen chewed his lip. What Granny Cavan said made sense, but he found himself fighting against it inwardly. Tangera didn't like him, he admitted out loud to himself and to Granny. We saw his wagon. You need to listen to that dragon, Javen, Granny Cabin said sternly. I'm sick of the sight of you. Get out of here. Feeling a bit stupid, Javen left the cavern and went home. He told Dad all about it as they had their stew that night, and felt his face flush with embarrassment that he'd been caught out. Don't worry, my boy, Dad said, patting his shoulder. It's lucky I wasn't there, though. Sounds like what we've been saving for those new cows would be long gone. Still, Javen didn't sleep well that night, and when the sun rose there were sounds and voices from outside, and it wasn't Tangera. Javan looked out the window to see half the village crowded outside the house. They looked very, very angry. He wrapped himself in a blanket and went down the stairs and opened the door. Hello, he said. He thought a dragon-caller should probably have a better greeting at hand, but it was much too early in the morning to think of one now. That pot-man, Andamona. Bernath Hondos from the inn spoke up. You've got to get our money back, dragon-caller. Javen blinked stupidly. You paid him for the pots, though... And he frowned. I think he was tricking us somehow. He was that! Another voice spoke up from the back. Javen, this morning all the pots had disappeared and so had the man and the wagon. Made of fairy dust or something... "'Someone else agreed. "'Their voices were all very, very angry. "'We needed that money for next winter,' a voice said, wavering with emotion. "'Javen's mouth felt dry. "'I'll find him,' he said. "'I'll get the money back.' "'The villagers nodded and seemed satisfied. "'A couple of them blessed him or gave him a sign for luck before they went back to the village.' Javen went in, put on some clothes, ate a big bowl of porridge as fast as he could, then called for Tangera. She came immediately, as though she had been waiting. Javen told her the tale as he climbed onto her back, not wanting to waste another moment. She climbed up into the air, and she didn't say, I told you so. Javen appreciated that. They had no idea which direction Ivan Rondamona had gone, and so they swooped in ever wider arcs, looking to the north and the east. Eventually, on the east road, they saw a carriage. It was not Ivan Arandamona's brightly coloured carriage, but with no other leads, Javan decided to ask if whoever was inside had seen anything. As they got closer, Javen noticed Tangera acting a bit oddly. What's wrong? he asked quietly. I don't like this. Something feels wrong. I'll be careful, Javen promised. They landed a little way off, and Javen walked towards the carriage, which had stopped by the road. There was a fire lit, and a small figure sat by it, poking sausages in the fire. When Javen got closer, he almost shouted out in shock. The small figure had the same face as Ivan Arondamona, but shrunken, its body was lithe and thin, and its hair hung strangely high the side of its face. Javen's heart beat fast. There was more to this story than he had ever known but he had to get the money back, and he had a dragon on his side. There is a problem with your pots, Javen called out, not wanting to get any closer, but I suppose you know that. The little man looked up at Javen and giggled and danced with glee. When he spoke, it was with Ivan Arondamona's voice, but higher pitched, with a shock. Javen realized that he was a goblin. Didn't I mention that they were vanishing pots? Deary me, how could I have forgotten? But now all your good gold is in my strong box, and I have the only key, and I will never let it go, how stupid you villagers are. And then he began to dance around the fire, singing a horrible song. Ivan, Ivan, Ivan the Goblin took the gold and left them nothing. Makes me laugh. Out of all my staffing, all the sausages, I'll be gobbling. That doesn't even rhyme properly, Javen said, disgusted. The Goblin turned his face, nasty now. And you are their "'Best hero, are you, sending a little boy to beat a wizard goblin? "'These country people do make me laugh.' "'And he began to cackle again, then stopped suddenly. "'But I rather like you, boy. "'I'll catch you and make you my prisoner. "'You can make the pots for me. "'It does take a dreadful time, and you have to do it in the dark, with earache. "'Oh, yes!' That would be quite the thing. His eyes gleamed now, and he started to advance on Javan. Javan lifted his head and called the dragon call. Tangera was close. She swooped down immediately. But instead of rescuing Javan, she ducked her head and grabbed the goblin by the leg, then flew up to the top of the trees with him. As he dangled, he screamed and shouted, and began to change forms between the goblin and the large man that Javen had seen at the market. Javen realised that the goblin's strange hair and the man's massive moustache were one and the same. He screeched horribly, but Javen called up to him. Drop the key, and I'll tell her to put you down. The goblin thrashed and kicked, but it was to no avail. Eventually he scrabbled around to take off a small pouch tied around his chest. Eventually he scrabbled around to take off a small pouch tied around his chest and dropped it. Javen ran to pick it up and found a small silver key inside. He ran to the carriage, opened it up, and found the strongbox. He opened it, and inside was a large bag of gold, which he lifted up with some difficulty. I've got it, Javen shouted over to Tangera. I'll come. I'll get rid of him first. She swooped away. Javen thought he heard a distant splash, and then she was back with him. He climbed gratefully onto her back, holding the bag of gold tightly, and they flew to the village. They landed in the square this time, Javen wanted the villagers to see that Tangera had rescued them. The villagers gradually emerged from their houses when they saw him haul the big sack of gold onto the floor. Kale's mother, Gedra, helped him to give the right amount of gold back to each person, which he was grateful for. But at the end they were left with a pile of coins and, to Javen's surprise, a large blue sapphire. He frowned with no idea what to do with it. A couple of the villagers stepped forward and opened their mouths, looking as though they might want to claim it for themselves. But from the back, Kale's voice came loud and clear. Is it true that dragons like treasure? If so, the dragon should take this. She has really helped us. Jalen looked over to Tangera whose eyes were transfixed on the pile. He smiled. You can have it, they say so. It is our weakness. I will take it, but it should be returned if a rightful owner ever comes to claim it. Agreed, Javon said. He put the treasure back into the bag and looped it over the dragon's foot. I think you'd better get out of here, he muttered, aware that some villagers weren't looking particularly happy about this, or at least get that treasure out of here. We dragons will rejoice for many days. Good day, Javen boy. And Javen made everyone stand back, so that she could rise high above them into the sky. Then the villagers were happy again, and burnouts from the village clapped him on the back and promised him a free supper. And most of the rest of the village, relieved to have recovered their savings, came to join them. Even dad came down after the farm work was done. And that evening, many songs were sung and many toasts were made, all to Javen the dragon-caller. And Javen enjoyed himself, but also wished he was still with Tangera, swooping high above the world. The End
0: Thanks for listening. What do you think it would feel like to fly on a dragon? How high would you go? Can you draw what you think the dazzling pots might look like? For more magical adventures, why not check out The Fenton's Face the Frost where the four Fenton kids have to follow the instructions in an old book to stop there being 50 years of winter. Plus, how carefully have you been listening? Support the story for us by testing your knowledge of some of our most popular series by getting a quiz from our Etsy shop. Just click the link in the episode description to see this and more. Javen will be back next week.